All right. I get to follow that. I guess we should change the title to insert catchy preacher here, right? That's right. So obviously I was noticeably absent in that video. I didn't know anything about the video. So, you know, there might've been a reason for that. I don't know. Maybe I'm not funny enough. But as I was thinking about this uh, sermon series and, and they gave me the, the here, hey, Pastor Jeff, here's a series we're going to do. It's going to be a summertime series. And I'm thinking to myself, I said, Jeff, you know, you've, you've done this for about 40 years. There ought to be a couple good sermons in a file somewhere that you could go grab and pull out, and then you could not have to do any real sermon prep because, you know, surely you got a couple good sermons, and I didn't find any at all. And so, uh, so the Lord convicted me that I need to speak on this. And uh, this is going to be a um, uh, challenging sermon for me. Um, and the name of it is, insert catchy title here, How to Rejoice in a World of Rejection. Anybody need a sermon like that? How to Rejoice in a World of Rejection. You know, the first contemporary song I heard ever uh, was a, by a guy named John Michael Talbot, uh, who was in the rock band Mason Prophet uh, and became a Christian. And he sang a song, and the song that caught my attention was, Would You Crucify Him? talking about my sweet Lord Jesus, if he walked here among us again. Then the next line was, yes, I think we would crucify him, the sweet Lord Jesus, if he walked here among us again. Some of us know what it feels like to be rejected, what it feels like even to be crucified for taking a stand for Jesus Christ. I heard the story of uh, the pastor who had a tradition before he preached to always have a moment of silence. And in that moment of silence, he would uh, be praying that he would come up with a good sermon, right? And deliver a good message. And a little boy was with his dad who had seen the preacher do this for quite a while. And he said to his dad, he said, Dad, what, what is he, what's the silence about? What, why is a pastor always silent before he preaches? And the dad says, well, son, he's actually asking God to give him a good message. Little boy thought for a minute, says, dad, do you think God's ever going to answer that prayer? <laughs> so it is my prayer today that God will answer the prayer and that we will have a good message today. I'm going to read a long scripture for you today that gives context to rejection. Uh, and so if you're able you st- would you stand for the reading of God's word? It's a long reading, so if you're able, stand. Now, reading from Acts chapter five. Acts chapter five is the book that follows the gospels. It is after Jesus has been crucified and resurrected. It is after he has spent 40 days teaching his disciples. He has ascended back into heaven. The Holy Spirit has come upon the church God is doing amazing things and the disciples are out preaching boldly and they're being rejected. Not just rejected, they're being arrested and they're being persecuted. So we pick it up in verse 19. This is when they've been in jail. They've been put in jail for preaching about Jesus. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail and brought them out. Then he told them, go over to the temple and preach about this life. They arrived at the temple about daybreak and immediately began preaching. Later that morning, the high priest and his courtiers arrived at the temple and and convening the Jewish council and the entire Senate, they sent for the apostles to be brought for trial. 
But when the police arrived at the jail, the men weren't there, so they returned to the council and reported. The jail doors were locked, and the guards were standing outside, but when we opened the gates, no one was there. When the police captain and the chief priest heard this, they were frantic, wondering what would happen next, where all this would end. Then someone arrived with the news that the men they had jailed were out in the temple preaching to the people. You can't keep the word of God out of the public square. No matter how much it gets rejected, God's message is gonna be spoken, amen? The police captain went with his officers and arrested them without violence for they were afraid that people would kill them if they roughed up the disciples and brought them in before the council. Didn't we tell you never again to preach about this Jesus, the high priest demanded? And instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring the blame for this man's death on us. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. You might want to underline that in your Bible. When it comes to rejection, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our ancestors brought Jesus back to life again after you had killed him by hanging him on a cross. And then with mighty power, God exalted him to be a prince and savior so that the people of Israel would have an opportunity for repentance and for their sins to be forgiven. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, who is given by God to all who obey him. At this, the council was furious and decided to kill them. But one of their members, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, an expert on religious law and very popular with the people, stood up and requested that the apostles be sent outside the council chambers while he talked. Then he addressed his colleagues as follows. Men of Israel, take care what you're planning to do to these men. Some time ago, there was that fellow, Thaddeus, who pretended to be someone great. About 400 others joined him, but he was killed and his followers were harmlessly dispersed. After him, at the time of taxation, there was Judas of Galilee. He drew away some people as disciples, but he also died and his followers scattered. So my advice is, Leave these men alone. If what they teach and do is merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to stop them lest you find yourself fighting against God. The council accepted his advice, called in the apostles, had them beaten, and then told them never again to speak in the name of Jesus and finally let them go. They left the council chambers rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer dishonor for his name. And every day in the temple, in their home Bible classes, they continued to teach and preach that Jesus is the Messiah. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Father God, I pray that you will help me Preach the words of Jesus, to speak the truth in grace and love so that your people, wherever they're listening from, will know how much you love them and how much you've called us to go and reach those who don't know you, even those who reject us. Give us courage and give us strength. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the first thing I would say to you this morning, and you already know this, 
Rejection is reality. Rejection is reality. You cannot read the New Testament. You cannot read the Bible without noting how the followers of God, the prophets of God, Jesus and his disciples were persecuted. They were rejected. They were attacked. They were abused and hated. And in 2,000 years of church history, not much has changed. I love the bold words of Gamaliel, the Pharisee, but if this is of God, you will not be able to stop them. You will be fighting against God. No truer words have been spoken <laughs> in the book of Acts. You will not be able to stop this if it is of God. Now, the word rejection comes from a Latin word, which means to be thrown back. And rejection in the New Testament means to neutralize or disesteem. It sounds a little like being canceled, right? Being canceled for being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, this weekend, uh, we had family in from Indiana, spent some time together, and uh, I was talking with my niece yesterday, who's 13, and I was talking to her about what I was, I was practicing my sermon on, or not really, but I said, hey, tomorrow I'm gonna be preaching on rejection. Um, have you ever experienced rejection? And she says, no. I said, really? You've never experienced rejection? No, because I don't like anybody. <laughs> okay, that makes a lot of sense because if you don't like anybody, you're never gonna get rejected, right? If you don't love anybody, you're not gonna experience rejection. Aren't you glad? Aren't you thankful that we serve a God who loves us? Who, who, who does, who, we don't serve a God who does not like us. We serve a God who loves us, a God who doesn't wanna reject us. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son into the world that whoever believes in him and receives him would not perish but have everlasting life. And what did the world do with Jesus? They rejected him. John 1, very beginning of the gospel, verse 11, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, he gave the power to become sons of God to those who believe in his name. And many of you listening here today have received Jesus Christ. You have believed him to be who he says he is. And therefore, you're one of his followers. But with that comes some challenge of rejection because Jesus was rejected by his own people. He was rejected by his religion. He was rejected by his family. He was rejected by his friends he was misunderstood, he was demonized, he was slandered, he was disowned, he was mocked, and he was executed. And hear this, Jesus never retreated when he was rejected. He never retreated when he was rejected. He endured it all to fulfill his mission to bring salvation to all who would believe and receive him. He also said this, John quotes, John 15, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If the world hates you, if the world rejects you as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, know that it also hated me before it hated you. In the early church, the disciples were rejected. They were arrested. They were persecuted. They were imprisoned, and they were executed. 
Today, there are over 200 million Christians around the world that are facing high levels of persecution, rejection, and execution. Now, you would say after hearing these opening remarks, why would anyone want to be a Christian? It's challenging to be a Christian. You know, the worst parts of the world for persecution are North Korea, Nigeria, China, Afghanistan, India, and Iran. And while it can be frustrating for us here in the West, in an increasingly progressive post-Christian environment to feel rejection, we're not feeling anything close to what people around the world are feeling because they believe in Jesus Christ. Now, in the book of Acts, the disciples were taking the gospel, the good news about Jesus, to a pre-Christian world. They were taking Jesus into a world that had never heard of Jesus. And most of the world was rejecting that message because it seemed too bizarre. God in the flesh, God who was nailed on a cross and was crucified, dead for three days and rose from the dead. What are you talking about in a world that had never heard about Jesus Christ? And yet today, you and I as Christ followers are called and commissioned to take the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ to a post-Christian world. And what do I mean by a post-Christian world? A world that is rejecting Jesus. They've heard about Jesus, but they're rejecting him. A world where people are leaving the church or leaving the faith or people who've never experienced a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Today, the buzzword for rejection is being canceled, being silenced, being shunned, to get fired, to get shut down, to be shown no mercy or no grace. The Roman Catholic Archbishop Chapeau said, evil preaches tolerance until it dominates. Then it tries to silence good. No truer words have been spoken. Evil preaches tolerance until it dominates. Then it tries to silence good. The reality is this morning that all of us are sinners. All of us have said the wrong thing. All of us have done the wrong thing. And if all of our lives, private lives, were put in public display, we would all be in jeopardy, would we not? But I find great comfort to know that the great warriors in the Bible all had notorious past. And the great saints in history had notorious failures. The good news of the gospel is that every sinner has a future. Somebody say amen to that. Every sinner has a future because we serve a God who loves us, who doesn't reject us and gives us his grace. So why was Jesus rejected? Why was Jesus persecuted? He was rejected and he was persecuted. He was executed because he claimed to be the son of God. He, he claimed to be God in the flesh. He claimed he had the power to forgive sin. Now, before you miss that, the power to forgive sins means that there had to be sins to be forgiven. So Jesus was crucified because he confronted people about their sins. 
and that God loves you despite your sins, but he comes to forgive you. Jesus was rejected and persecuted and executed because he hung out with sinners. He hung out with the wrong crowd. He confronted sin. He called people to a better way of life. He was crucified because he called people to righteousness and to holiness. His disciples were also rejected, persecuted, executed because they believed that he was resurrected from the dead. To them, that was central because whenever he was crucified, they all scattered because they thought Jesus was one of those men that had failed. But when he resurrected from the dead on the third day, they knew that every word he said was true and they were willing to lay down their lives for him. They were rejected and they were persecuted because they believed that Jesus spoke the truth. Jesus claimed, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one will come to the Father except by me. We live in a world today that rejects truth. I was listening to something on Instagram the other day, and I shared it with several people by Priscilla Shire. I didn't realize that she was the daughter of uh, Pastor Tony Evans, uh, the fantastic African-American pastor. And here's what she said in her little post. She said, we live in a day where everyone is being told you have your own truth. You have your truth, you have your truth, and I have my truth. Here's a little truth, there's a little truth. Everywhere you look, there's a little truth truth. And she goes on to say, we're being told that there is no standard anymore, and whatever is true is true for you. But she says there is still a standard of truth that never changes. That this truth is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and forevermore. That God is still on the throne and it may not be politically correct to say this, she says, but there's still only one way to have a relationship with God, and that is through Jesus Christ. We live in a world right now that rejects that truth. And if you believe that truth, there's part of the world that's going to reject you. The disciples were executed because they made Jesus Christ the Lord of their lives. They were not going to bow to the culture they were not going to bow to the authorities and worship Caesar as God. They're going to worship Jesus Christ as God. So another question for us today in regards to rejection. So why are people today rejecting Jesus Christ? This incredible gift of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only son to forgive us of our sins and our shortcomings, to give us new life, abundant life. Why do people reject that? I, I would just suggest several things. One is I think people reject Jesus Christ because their prayers are not answered. I got this problem. I want God to solve it. I asked God to solve it, and God didn't solve my problem, so unanswered prayers. God says no too much. So therefore, I'm not gonna believe in God because he says no too much. Sometimes it's unanswered questions that science and reason doesn't make sense to me how this could work. But remember, Jesus says, unless you have the faith of a child, you can never enter the kingdom of God. And most children I know don't have the science and the reason figured out. There's a part of following Jesus that requires faith. There are some times before it even makes sense. And then why do people reject Jesus today? I think one reason is because of all the evil in the world. Where's God at? I think another reason is because of unfaithful, inconsistent Christians who give off a bad witness. 
I think another reason people reject Jesus Christ today is, is, is something we'd never thought we'd experience, and that is this whole uh, fallout from COVID. That people who came to church in the West, in, in, in the U.S., that were coming to church because it was the thing to do, to be religious by going to church, whenever you couldn't go to church anymore, they just stopped going to church. And so a lot of people have not come back to church, so they've left the church, left the faith. And that's across the U.S. and it's across the West. But I think that indicates to me that a lot of people had faith in a church building, but not in Jesus Christ. Because I come to church not because I believe in this building, because I believe in Jesus Christ. I want to be around other people who believe in Jesus Christ. I want, to, I want to worship with other people who believe in Jesus Christ. I want to learn how I can be a better follower of Jesus Christ. I want to come and celebrate what Jesus Christ has done for me. So COVID has had a, a real impact uh, on, on folks who maybe have questioned a, a relationship with God. And then I think there are simply people who don't want anyone to tell them what to do. And Trevor addressed that, I think, in a great sermon last week. That in, in this world, people are opposed to any kind of authority where God makes clear call to, uh, to Jesus says, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. So people reject Jesus' call to surrender. I had a lady come up to me after the last service in tears and uh, she says, I just really appreciate you, you sharing this, that verse from 1 Corinthians. I want to share it with you because again, as we, we struggle with why people reject Christ today, Paul said it this way, preaching about the cross about Jesus sounds foolish to those who are dying in sin, but it is the power of God to those who are being saved from the punishment of sin. To many people, Jesus Christ seems foolish when it comes to a cross and, 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 and sin and eternity. I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, the voice of the martyrs said that a lot of times people reject Jesus and Christians are rejected because Christianity is seen, seen as a threat to government, a threat to power. This is one of the reasons why the Christians were persecuted in the first, second, third century AD. Why? Because Christianity was a threat to the Roman Empire. Really, for 300 years, it was a threat. And that's why they were burned at the stake and crucified, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because of the threat to the government. So all that to say, what is our reaction to rejection? How do we react to rejection? Acts 5, 41, they left the council chambers rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer dishonor for his name. And every day in the temple and in their home Bible classes, they continue to teach and preach that Jesus is the Messiah. How do you react to rejection? You rejoice. You rejoice. In, in, in the New Testament, that means to be joyful. It means to have a deep-seated pleasure. It's not a mood, but it's a deep confidence that everything is right in my life because God is in my life. Even though things aren't right in the world, things are right in my life because God is in my life in Jesus Christ. Things are well inside of me because of Christ. It's not based on favorable circumstances. It's like as Christians, we've been given inside information that God has got this. And it's based on in a perspective of eternity and resurrection. You see, the reality of the resurrection leads to rejoicing. When the disciples knew there's nothing you can do to hurt me, there's nothing you can do to harm me, because through Jesus Christ, when I die, I'm going to resurrect. I'm good to go. 
I'll die for Christ because he died for me. Because when I die, I'm gonna resurrect. He's gonna bring me back to life again. That's a cornerstone of what we Christians believe, that resurrection, the reality of it, brings rejoicing. You know, just a short quiz. <clears throat> what is the shortest verse in the New Testament? What's the shortest verse in the New Testament? Jesus wept. How many of you memorized Jesus wept, right? Whenever you were in Sunday school years ago and you knew you were gonna be asked a Bible verse, how many of you said, please don't say Jesus wept? Because that's my go-to verse, Jesus wept, right? But all these years, you've been wrong. Because the shortest verse in the New Testament is not Jesus wept, at least in the Greek New Testament. In the Greek New Testament, based on the letters of the alphabet, the shortest verse is this from Thessalonians, rejoice always. Rejoice always. Isn't that interesting? Jesus wept or rejoice always. I'm gonna go over rejoice always, right? Rejoice always in all things rejoice, even in rejection, because we can focus on the pain of rejection. We have a choice. We can focus on the pain of rejection or the purpose of rejection. You can focus on the pain. I mean, I mean I'm not, trust me, I don't want to get rejected. I hate getting rejected. I hate conflict. But the reality is I can focus on the pain of getting rejected for Jesus Christ or I can focus on the purpose of getting rejected for Jesus Christ. When we look at the life of Jesus, we see how he reacted to rejection. When his own hometown, Nazareth, turned him away, Jesus goes out among the other villages and starts teaching. He didn't let the rejection from his own hometown cause him to retreat. When the Samaritans, he, he refused to host the disciples, Jesus rebukes the disciples who want vengeance and says, let's go to another village. Let's go to the next town and preach. When Judas betrays him near the end, Jesus responds by saying, friend, do what you came to do because God is gonna do what God's gonna do. Do what you gotta do because God is gonna do what God's gonna do. You see, Jesus' reaction to rejection was to stay focused on his God-given mission. He was still the son of God. He would still have a fruitful ministry. And despite enduring the humility of crucifixion, Jesus is honored as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, amen? So when you're rejected, rejoice. When you're rejected, stay faithful, stay obedient, and do not focus on the pain, but on the purpose. Now, when these disciples were rejected and persecuted and put into prison and the angel mysteriously, miraculously appears and sets them free, and they, what do they do? The very next morning, they go back into the public square and begin to teach and preach. And throughout their ministry, they were rejected. Throughout their ministry, they were arrested, they were beaten, they were put in chains, but they kept on going because they didn't focus on the pain, but focused on the purpose. And many times they were delivered. I want you to hear this, church. Many times they were delivered, but not always. Matthew was beheaded by the sword. Mark died by being drugged through the streets of the city. John died in prison in exile. Peter was crucified upside down. James was beheaded in Jerusalem. Philip was hanged. You get the idea, right? And Paul was beheaded in Rome. But none of this stopped the spread 
of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for 2,000 years, the gospel keeps being spread by Christians like you who are not afraid to be rejected, who stay focused on the mission. Someone said to me one time this advice, do not let compliments go to your head and do not let criticisms get in your heart. People will be critical. People will criticize and people will try to crucify but do not let it get in your heart. Then I want to say this to you. This is just two words, and I think this is really important that as Christians, as we live in a world of rejection, as we try to stay faithful, continue to rejoice, two words, orthodox and orthopraxis. Write those down. Orthodox is right doctrine. It's doctrine based on the historical understanding of Holy Scripture. And I want you to know as your pastor, as pastor of this church and for, in ministry most of my life, it feels like, I believe that I have a orthodox doctrinal understanding of scripture that's based on 2,000 years of scholarship. And I do not believe that this generation all of a sudden has come to some new enlightenment that throws out everything we've known about the Bible for the last 2,000 years. I call that orthodoxy. Holding on to what has been historically taught through the church through the years, what the Bible teaches. But what is orthopraxis? Orthopraxis is how we live out our daily lives that is consistent with what we say we believe. And the disconnect for a lot of people in our world today is they see a disconnect on what we say and how we live. And if we don't live out what we say, then people are going to reject the faith over and over and over. Church, we've got to live out what we say. We've got to put into practice what we say we believe And then this thought here, as we get ready to wrap this up, I want to say this to you about rejection. Do not reject the rejectors. Say that with me. Do not reject the rejectors. What did Jesus pray from the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If people are rejecting you for your faith in Jesus Christ, they don't know what they're doing. And, the, and you're never going to reach them if you reject them. Don't reject the rejectors. In fact, 1 Timothy, Paul wrote these words to 1 Timothy 2.2, pray for kings and all others who are in power over us. Power to persecute us, power to condemn us, power to execute us, so we might live quiet, God-like lives in peace. Titus 3, 2, remember the believers who submit to the government and its officers, those who are persecuting us, those who are rejecting us, that they should be obedient, always be ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone, must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. I call us as a church to show humility to those who reject the truth. Don't condemn them. Show love and grace as our Christ. Jesus shows us. Remember these words of Jesus, Matthew 5, 11 through 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, when people persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Then one last word. I said that twice, right? The last word. In the face of rejection, in a world where Christians are being canceled, do not get scared, 
Do not go silent and do not go secret. As Christians, we cannot go silent. We cannot go secret and we can't get scared. Jude 3, dear friends, I've been trying to write to you about what God did for us when he saved us from the punishment of sin. Now I must write to you and tell you to fight hard for the faith. Fight hard for the faith, which was once and for all given to the holy people of God. I wanna tell you, church, as your pastor, I'm gonna fight hard for the faith. I'm gonna contend for the truth that I believe is in God's word, and I'm not gonna fear rejection. In fact, I'm gonna expect it. And I would just tell you that in the weeks and the months ahead, don't be surprised to see Mount Horb or Jeff, whomever, on the front page of the state paper because we're not rejecting the gospel. We're gonna stand for the truth. And I will tell you, that I believe that there is a biblical definition of marriage, of gender, and the sanctity of life. And more than ever, more than ever, we need to contend for biblical truth with a Christ-like love. To rejoice in a world of rejection. You know, would you agree with me that God is, is, is the God of love? You know, Child of Love, the opening song we sang here today, incredible song, Child of Love. But I want you to know that God is also a just God. And, and, and those are two equal things, the love of God and the justice of God. I read, read, heard the story about uh, the young boy, teenager that was speeding through town going 65 into 35. He got pulled over, got a little bit anxious, but then he realized he'd be okay because his father was the judge. And so he goes to, to court Officer says, going 35 into 65. And the, the judge looks at his son and says, how do you plead? Sir, I'm guilty, with a smile. And the, son, the judge looks at his son and says, that'll be $500 or 10 days in jail. Son says, but dad, says $500 or 10 days in jail. And then the father stood up from the bench, took off his robe, walked down, stood beside his son, took out his checkbook, and wrote out a check for $500 because there had to be justice for the, the penalty. See, I believe when God stood up in heaven, he took off his robe and he sent his son into the world. For God so loved the world that he sent his son to die on a cross to pay the ultimate penalty for my sins and your sins because our God is a just God. God is a God of love and God is a God of justice. Let me pray with you. Father God, I thank you that today that you're here because you love us. You're here because, we're, your presence is here because you, you don't reject us. I'm so thankful that you, that, you, that you aren't a God who doesn't like us, but you're a God who loves us. And Father God, I pray that in these moments here, if there's anyone here that feels like you've rejected them, that they would reach out to you and your love would surround them with grace and mercy. And Father, there's anyone listening today that feels the church has rejected them, that Christians have rejected them. Lord God, that they would know that you've not rejected them and we've not rejected them. And may we love those who reject us. May we not reject the rejectors. Lord, give us courage to rejoice in times of rejection. Give us courage to be faithful to the calling in our lives, to stand for you, to contend for the truth. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.